Thanks for listening to the Gray Ave Podcast, a show for driven young people with big goals. We meet inspiring people from around the world and learn from them, from entrepreneurship, health, travel, lifestyle, and more. We are also on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Rate and write us a review. You can also download each episode on www.grayjabesi.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up? My name is Gray, and this is the Gray F Podcast, and this is episode number 30. I have to say I'm super excited about this one. I'm super amped. Uh, we have a very great guest, a gifted mathematician, a gifted uh, academic, one of the world's most impressive young mathematicians, and a great inspiration and role model by the name of Dr. Jonathan Farley. You might be familiar with his work on television, or you probably heard about his mathematical formula to eliminate ISIS and terror. We'll get deep into all of that, so you will definitely get to understand him a little more. You might think that all we talked about was math in this podcast, but actually that's not true. We actually covered 90% of no mathematics. <laughs> Since we covered a lot of what you will have something to say about or to comment on, please feel free to comment on the website. You just put in the comment box whatever you think and that's going to help a lot to keep the conversation. And also I will send some material uh, to my subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed yet, you just have to subscribe via iTunes or my website. You just have to punch in your email address. Then I will be able to send you uh, Dr. John's contact. As he said in the podcast, that if you really want to contact him to ask some of the things that he talked about, you can contact him directly. So I will send the contact details to Dr. Farley to my subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed, as I said, just go to www.greatjabesi.com. There is a join page right there. You just have to join. To give you more details, Dr. Jonathan Farley has been a visiting professor of mathematics at California Institute of Technology, a science fellow at Stanford University Center of International Security and Cooperation, a visiting scholar in the Department of Mathematics at Harvard University, and a visiting associate professor of applied mathematics at MIT, or Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Dr. John is also a consultant in Hollywood, where he has worked on films like uh, Elementary, which is the TV series elementary numbers he has also worked on the animated movie flatland with uh, folks like Kristen bell and martin sheen so this podcast is really interesting for uh, a number of reasons one of it being john thinks really really differently and for that he raised a few points that i actually raised my eyebrows about and i really would want to hear your opinions and your thoughts on some of the things that we covered in this podcast. Just to give you some highlights, that a few that stands out for me. Uh, he said feminism is hurting women. He said Obama is a war criminal. He should be charged for murder. Uh, he met Rubik, who is the creator of the Rubik's Cube, and asked him an interesting question, and which the answer is really uh, fascinating and interesting to hear. So it's all in the podcast. He also thinks marriage isn't worth it for men anymore. He also think alimony should be eliminated. Our conversation went along those lines, as you can tell, and if there is anything that is not covered in this, we did a part two. So all the other things that weren't covered in the part one were covered in part two. 
just gotta look out for that. And if you have anything to say, which I'm sure you will have something to say, just drop it in the comments on any platform you're listening to this, whether in, uh, it's on SoundCloud or you're listening on my website, greatjabasic.com, I will appreciate your answer, your questions or your comments on this very subject. Enjoy, guys, and see you next week. So how is it going like there with uh, today? Trump is being made president, right? Yes, exactly. In about an hour. Okay. Right. What's your take on that? It's hard to say because our media is uh, is prop is just full of propaganda, and it is true that the media is mostly controlled by liberals, and so what they publish is not true. The New York Times, um, uh, CNN, um, the conservatives, the Republican Party, Trump's party, they joked that CNN was the Clinton News Network. Uh, after Hillary Clinton, his opponent in the election. But in fact, it was. You could watch and see that the supposedly neutral moderators were always taking the side of Hillary whenever possible and spouting lies about Donald Trump. For example, in one of the debates, Anderson Cooper, a very popular commentator on CNN, uh, was talking about uh, uh, how Trump had assaulted women or had bragged about assaulting women when, in fact, that hadn't happened at all. Um, Anderson Cooper should have actually been fired after that. So uh, you can't judge what's really happening from the media. That's the reason why the Democratic Party, Obama's party, lost the election, because the media wasn't telling the truth about what the American people actually thought. I myself could care less. Both parties are bad. Right. But um, certainly, uh, as the article you mentioned from the British publication talking about my work in counterterrorism said, uh, I'd be willing to work with a Trump administration on matters of interest to me. Uh, and I would certainly stand a better chance of getting the attention of the Trump administration than a Hillary Clinton administration, regardless of how good my ideas or bad uh, were. Right. That's interesting to know, because uh, on the outside, uh, generally people who are not in the United States like myself, we, we obviously get the whole hyped up media feed of what's happening so more i think for most people their assumptions are wrong of what's co actually going on from because if i speak to somebody who is actually there they their view on it is pretty different from the outside everybody who isn't in the states right now they're like oh you americans so so your shit together or stuff like that they just think think uh, things are going uh the most negative way possible yeah that's because the media is controlled by the people who hate Trump right now. Uh, in fact, the, one of our major television networks, CBS, the head of CBS has a brother who worked, I think, directly for Obama. So, uh, and there are many, many other media connections like that. Um, so it's not surprising that the media was, was uh, pro-Obama, pro-Hillary Clinton, um, with the exception of maybe one or two uh, right-wing uh, networks or stations, forums. Right. And what do you think of Obama himself? Uh, Obama is actually a, a war criminal. He should be brought in front of the Hague, um, tried for murder. Uh, he killed, uh, he assassinated even a 16-year-old, a U.S. citizen without charge, uh, no explanation. He, assassin he assassinated another U.S. citizen without charge. He reserves the right to legally assassinate U.S. citizens without charge. 
Um, he has, of course, uh, kept hundreds of people in a gulag just by calling them terrorists. No proof is necessary. Uh, and tortured people, although he claims uh, that he ended torture, but uh, they just call it by a different name, I guess, or, or pretend that it's not happening. Uh, not to mention his disastrous foreign policy, invading um, uh, Libya, invading, um, uh, uh, essentially in, invading Syria. Uh, they actually are literally now talking about sending U.S. troops to fight in Syria. Uh, killing, uh, who knows, hundreds of thousands of people. Certainly when you destabilize a country like Libya, it's hard to um, uh, do the body count. Uh, the civil war in Syria certainly prolonged thanks to Obama. Uh, so that meant more people dying. Um, and uh, so, yes, he was, oh, and not to mention um, his role in the violent coup in Ukraine, um, trying to fight a war with or stir up a war with uh, Russia. Um, all of that's terrible. And in terms of his domestic policies, uh, his support for groups with alternative lifestyles against the wishes of the majority of the American people, and the, the people of the world, actually, uh, and uh, trying to impose his views on African countries uh, at the risk of withdrawing aid if they don't submit to his, Obama's view of uh, groups with alternative lifestyles. No, in South Africa you do because it's in the Constitution, but it's not in, <laughs> in most other African countries. Um, that was also not only anti-democratic, but um, profoundly immoral. So I don't have a positive view of him, in summary. Right. Um, and that's very interesting and quite uncommon uh, coming from you. But then um, that's, you know, most people would agree with you on that just because I think most people do like Obama, but they wouldn't actually give you the actual reasons uh, why they do. Or uh, usually people that have reasons are the ones that don't like him. It seems to go that way. Uh, so hmm. uh, what do you think generally uh, about politics in general? And in America or in the world on Mars? Uh, no, I mean, uh, in general, in in the rest of the world on Earth. <laughs> I'm afraid I, I, I'm no longer really familiar with what is going on in the United Kingdom. I used to because I, I lived there for several years. Um. And I did live in Austria, but since I don't speak German, I didn't really know what was going on. I met politicians who I think were supposed to be conservative, but I quite like them. Um, but maybe I can say a bit more about, about Austria. Uh, I love Austria. I consider it the greatest country on the earth. I've only lived in a few countries, but um, I, I think I've, I've seen maybe 20 or maybe more. And uh, the problem with Austria is that because... Uh, you know, they uh, waged war against the planet 70 years ago. They then, they now feel obligated to admit anyone into the country without really, uh, you know, without, um, you know, just, just admit anyone as an asylum seeker if they just say, I need asylum. Uh, now, this hasn't happened so much in Austria as it has in, in Germany, but it's, uh, I almost sound like one of those right-wing bigots, but it, it, it's, it's ruining Austria, at least it was ruining Austria. It would have, I'm sure, ruined Austria if they continued at the same pace when I was living there about seven years ago. Uh, so in order to uh, preserve Austria as, as, as a great country, they sh should not just give anyone 
asylum. Proper asylum seekers, yeah, they should get it, but not just anybody who says, I need asylum. You know, there's no war going on in, um, well, actually now in Ethiopia, there's trouble, but say, uh, and in Nigeria, there's trouble. But several years ago, <laughs> there wasn't such trouble. And so just because someone is coming from a poor country doesn't mean that they should be just let in. Right. So uh, in, uh, coming back to Obama on that story, um, what do you think makes for the conventional thinking uh, that happens that most people like Obama, and you, but you happen to not like him? What do you think it's, uh, it's about that fact? Well, I, I will say that I was very happy when Obama got uh, elected. Uh, basically, you could say racism in America, uh, you could put on the headstone, racism in America, 1776 to 2008. And uh, so I was actually extremely happy, and I'm still happy, that America finally elected uh, an African-American. Um, it's just that I knew when I wrote this at the time, just because you have a black person doesn't mean that their policies are going to be good. In fact, typically it means their policies are going to be bad because they'll be trying harder not to appear like Malcolm X or something like that. Uh, and there's no danger. No one is confusing Barack Obama with Malcolm X. So that's the problem. And many African-Americans uh, followed the Pied Piper simply because the guy is black. Um, you know, so uh, they don't do this with radicals. They run away from radicals. But um, they are inclined to forgive the sins of lots of people who at least appear democratic, like they're um, just because they have black skin. And it's, uh, it's a shame that African-Americans do that. Also, Barack Obama does have charisma. He is quite affable. He has a sense of humor. And that all works to his advantage. Like, I believe he writes his speeches. I don't think that a committee comes up with the turns of phrase that Obama does. Um, it's just that his speeches are usually empty. If you really think about what he means when he says, for example, um, you know, he'll, he'll talk about change. Okay, well, what change exactly? Or he'll talk about the founding documents, how the credo of um, Yes You Can was written into the founding documents. It sounds nice when he says it, better than the way I just said it, but if you really think about it, it's, it was nonsense what he said. There was no phrase, yes, we can, written into the Constitution of the United States. Right. So uh, I'm not political at all. I really don't like politics at all, um, simply because I actually haven't seen uh, a perfect set of government or, uh, or political party. It seems like whatever government is there, uh, wherever in the world, you, you still have problems of where um, people are not happy with it. Uh, and I don't expect it to be, to be perfect, but it seems like, uh, I think it's more like a game played by a few set of people, you know, and so it will always be the same because it's the same people just doing the same things, kind of counteracting each other um, in the fight for power or something. Yeah, the skills required to be a successful politician are not the same skills that are required to run a state successfully. That's the problem. Oh, that's that's a very good wording there. That's a very good way to put oh. it. Uh, then oh, what, what, what would you be your ideal um, government or set of um, leadership 
the ideal leadership, uh, mostly people, uh, mostly a cast of people who are dead. <laughs> you know, like Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, they had the right ideas. Uh, uh, Huey Newton before his, you know, the psychological warfare that the CIA waged on him um, had the right ideas. Um, so people like like that. Uh, actually, over 20 years ago, uh, probably well before the elections in South Africa in 1994, I did see a representative of the ANC when I was at Oxford. And I remember thinking probably for the first time, and I think the only time, I don't think I've met anyone like that since, I thought, you know, I'd follow this guy. Um, and so, uh, but maybe more because he was a freedom fighter rather than, I don't know what his tax policies would have been. Maybe I wouldn't have been so thrilled by that. Um, but uh, yeah, not too many politicians actually are really that great. There are some who are charismatic and they um, can give good speeches, but are they really that great? Like Kennedy, John F. Kennedy gave great speeches, but he also wasn't fully on board with civil rights for African-Americans. Um, so is he really that great? Not really. Right. Uh, and actually, speaking of speeches, um, I'm not uh, a political fanatic, but I have to say that I like Trump's speeches because they sound more honest that he is actually saying yes. the things, you know. Uh, it's not like the yes. Hillary Clinton, Obama thing where you know that it's written and they're just reading. Uh, they had to edit it and tell them what to actually the right things to appear. Actually, Trump sounds like a guy who just stood up and is actually speaking his mind. Yes. In fact, that's, was, that was my impression. When he announced his candidacy, uh, I listened to his speech. I think it was about 40 minutes long. And that was the first speech by a politician in years that I'd actually wanted to listen to. When Obama speaks, he's much more eloquent, but I have no interest in listening to his speech because I know it's just going to be a bunch of empty turns of phrase. Right. So uh, going back to the uh, ideal politics thing, uh, if we had, I know that I don't like the current political system, the judicial system, uh, but I don't, even the education system, as I told you last time, but I don't know the ideal set of government that would work. What would you be, what would be your ideas of what um, a set of government system that would work perfectly? Well, uh, and there's this uh, phrase, which I guess Churchill may have said, about how democracy is the worst form of government except for everything else. Uh, so I certainly wouldn't want a democratic form of government. I like the idea that you have some protections from uh, purely mob rule. So you have representatives who then do the business of government. Uh, but how you prevent corruption, I, I really have no idea. Um, so... I guess I can't really say what I think the ideal form of government would be. Um, you know, I used to be involved in politics. I used to think it was really necessary. I, I did math because I love math, but I thought I, it was necessary for me to be involved in politics. But now I don't really care so much. So, yes, I read Plato's Republic, but um, I'm not really so... Um, and I'm not so consumed by these issues now. Now I'm interested more in um, enhancing my own personal wealth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and how, how and doing math. And how are you going about doing that? 
Well, I'm doing that because um, in a couple of ways. One is I have uh, an educational consulting nonprofit. Well, it's a nonprofit, so you're not supposed to get wealthy, but um, one is called Axum Educational Solutions. And then I started something called uh, Girls Equal Math. And I should point out that I'm just speaking here as an individual, not on behalf of any of these organizations that I belong to. But a few years ago, I did consulting for a school district. I taught some advanced math courses to a select group of students. And uh, so that's one way. Uh, another way is that I have a company called Hollywood Math and Science Film Consulting. I never really intended for that to make me a millionaire. Um, but I, um, we have consulted for, say, a film with Kristen Bell uh, uh, and Martin Sheen, uh, animated, an animated film. And uh, for several TV shows, um, like Elementary or the TV show Numbers, these are crime uh, dramas that on occasion involve some mathematics. And we hope to have a big score at some point where we have a major blockbuster that wants us to uh, be the consultants. So those are two ways I'm going about doing it. So what what kind of um, uh, what what what, ex what kind of work exactly do, do you do in the in Hollywood, for example, specifically? Uh, how do you consult uh, with the film industry? Do they do they have? So what? Do, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So the the director of the, a film called Flatland, the movie, the animated film starring Kristen Bell and Martin Sheen and Michael York, uh, they uh, contacted us, if I remember correctly, and. Uh, just wanted to go over parts of their script. And we also created educational worksheets that teachers could uh, download and use with their students related to the film. And, and uh, the makers of the movie said that over a million people, over a million students have watched their film. Um, it's an animated film, so it's more for school kids or for kids generally. Everyone could watch it. I, I thought it was actually quite um, exciting but um, it's mainly for kids. Uh, so that's one example. And uh, with the TV show Numbers, which is a very popular show, it was on um, that same major American network, CBS, that I mentioned for about five years. They um, also followed up on a suggestion that I had given them of working with the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics and uh, developing worksheets that teachers could use in conjunction with the television uh, show. All oh, right, that sounds more interesting. Uh, I, I didn't thought that movies would go that kind of direction. I guess. Um, yeah, so, they they generally don't, but sometimes they're smart enough to uh, to pay attention. Right. So uh, with your, I like your thinking uh, on on how you look at politics and how you analyze uh, the rest of it. How do you consume media? Uh, do you read newspapers or websites, or you uh, mostly? Mostly websites, but I try, I try not to read newspapers because it's poison for the soul. And I don't watch television news for the same reason. You know, if it, they say if it bleeds, it leads. And uh, I'd much rather watch a comedy program. So as, as much as I like spending time uh, with my mother when I'm visiting, uh, as I am now, uh, when she watches the news, I, I leave the television room because I don't want to, I don't want to consume that. I don't want my brain or subconscious to uh, uh, to feed on all that negativity, but yes, I can't help but surf the internet, and so I might look at some headlines when I'm going through Yahoo, the main page. But that's about it. 
Right. And uh, on a day like this, uh, it's 21 minutes past 11 uh, in the States now. Um, what does your day look like forward or what have you been doing for the uh, rest of the morning? Well, I did just wake up. I wasn't asleep, but I did just wake up because I, I stay up late. But um, I'll watch the inauguration and then I'll do a couple hours of math. Um, and uh, perhaps my mother will want to do something like watch a movie. But uh, then I'll go to the gym for an hour or two in the evening. And then I'll continue with more math. Or uh, we often watch a program called Shark Tank. I'm sure there must be a similar program in South Africa where a bunch of investors will uh, listen to entrepreneurs making their pitches and then they'll decide whether or not to give the entrepreneurs the money that they want in, in exchange for a percentage of their business that's, and so i really like that show that's my favorite show actually uh, second ah yeah, show. yeah. Uh, my <laughs> yeah. first one is silicon valley uh, and then i watch shark tank a lot i love it okay yeah right uh, well, what those uh, okay go ahead well, Silicon Valley is on HBO, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't have HBO, but I, I like Shark Tank. Oh, okay. I, well, I, I watch all of them. I just kind of pirate all of them on the, off the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really have yeah. enough time to, to watch uh, TV on a certain set of time anyway. Uh, mm. So what kind of people do you hang around with? Uh, that's an excellent question. Um, uh, well, I'm hanging around my mother right now. And uh, one of my friends from when I was back in fifth grade, so age 10, um, he also became a mathematician. And so uh, when I'm, and he lives in the same area that I grew up in. So when I'm visiting um, my parents' house, I'll hang out with him. He also is part of a couple of the businesses that I have. Uh, when I'm at my place of work, uh, on occasion, uh, I'll have lunch with my colleagues. I actually enjoy uh, having lunch with them. It's, a, um, it's the first institution I've belonged to, really, where I really enjoy having, you know, having lunch and conversations with um, uh, the my all my colleagues. And uh, otherwise, I will spend time in my apartment, uh, wasting time really surfing the internet. <laughs> watching TV shows like The Flash, uh, and also uh, reading mathematics. So I spent a lot of time doing that. Right. And um, wh in, wh in what other ways do you um, use your type of thinking? Uh, in what other unconventional ways do you think um, being a mathematician kind of helps you to think differently or your approach on things? Well, it does help me when I'm consuming news because I can see when someone is making a bad argument. For example, last night I was watching a uh, politician from the Democratic Party in the United States talk about how they could appeal to more uh, individuals, more Americans, and he's talked about reaching out to Trump supporters, and that's the way the Democratic Party could win. And so I could analyze this and go, well, that's actually a uh, an invalid conclusion, because while 100 million people cast votes in America each election, each presidential election, there are a hundred million more people who could vote who don't. And so the Democratic Party could actually try to appeal to those people, but it doesn't even occur to them, which is why they um, lose. But the uh, my mathematical training helps me analyze invalid arguments. 
That sounds really interesting. And um, when you want to learn new things, for example, how do you... Oh, sorry, first of all, do you play chess? Uh, I played chess as a boy. I haven't played it in several decades. All right. My oh. father played chess. Okay, cool. Uh, and do you solve the Rubik's Cube? Uh, I have never solved the Rubik's Cube, uh, so no, I don't know how to do that. But it does relate to very interesting mathematics. There's a field of math called group theory, uh, and uh, but I, I myself do not know how to solve a Rubik's Cube. I did meet Rubik. Um uh, I went to a conference for uh, art and math in Hungary seven years ago, and uh, Rubik himself was there. So I asked him a question, which in retrospect probably was not a very uh, politic question for me to ask. But I, I basically asked him if he got royalties or if he regrets not getting royalties, something like that. <laughs> very good question. What did he say? <laughs> uh, his response was such that um, it didn't seem like he understood my question. But again, in retrospect, I think that he did understand my question, and maybe he just thought it was too embarrassing to answer. But I, I, that's, just my, that's just my speculation. All right. So he uh, didn't get any royalties from that, right? I, I think because I think he actually is Hungarian, and so I, I don't see that he could have gotten any under the communist system. Um, but I, I forget exactly what I asked him. Uh, maybe I asked him about what happens after, but... Um, after it all fell apart, what happened after? But um, my impression was that he didn't get anything. Oops. <laughs> That's not yeah. very good news. <laughs> um, yeah. So say you want to learn uh, to solve a Rubik's Cube or anything new. How, how do you approach that? How do you learn a new, uh, whether it's a language or uh, a, a new skill or anything like that? Well, I'm learning German. Uh, of course, I've been learning German for uh, nine years, and I haven't learned it yet. But um, I have uh, CDs that you can play in your car, and so I just uh, so if I'm making a long trip as I did recently, I was driving for six seven hours, uh, so I could play the Learn German in Your Car CDs, uh, and uh, also I have uh, many books. I have so many Teach Yourself German books. At some point, I will go through them all, uh, but I got the initial ones when I was uh, taking a course on German as a foreign language uh, in Austria when I when I moved there uh, in 2008. Uh, so that's the approach I would take to learning German. That's the approach I am taking to learn, learning German. Right. Um, so uh, you seem like you move around a lot, like you've lived in uh, Austria for a little bit. Um, and you lived among other places as well. How do, yes. How do you manage to to handle things that require you to stay at one place? For example, relationships or business, or some things like that that actually re, uh, ground a lot of people to stay on one place. Well, my business is consulting, so that could be done anywhere. In fact, when I did the consulting for the TV show um, Medium. Actually, I did meet some of the people, but I did the work, I think, before I met anyone. Um, for, uh, yeah, so a lot of it can be done remotely. Uh, and also, yeah, for relationships, obviously, it's, it's much more uh, difficult because, uh, in fact, uh, it's actually quite interesting. Before I left for Austria, about three weeks before, 
I actually met someone who was actually great. <laughs> and uh, but you know, I was leaving in three weeks' time, so that's a that's a problem. So okay, on a problem like that, then how do you make the decision? How do you value each of the uh, of the two to actually see which one is more viable or uh, more lucrative? Well, I didn't have a choice. I, I had a new job, so I had to go to Austria. Okay. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, obviously, what's important is, um, you, you know, again, we're getting back to the um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, you need food and shelter. You need money in order to obtain those things in our civilization. Uh, but, uh, but people also need companionship, um, uh, love. Uh, and so ultimately that is more important once those other needs have been met. But in this case, there wasn't an option. Right. So getting back to, to the video that uh, you were commenting on, on uh, Maureen McGrath, uh, there's a video on YouTube uh, for the people listening uh, with Maureen McGrath. Uh, it's called No Sex Marriage. She was on my podcast also, actually, so the people can check that out. Um, so you had very interesting points there. Uh, it was kind of unconventional and counterintuitive to what most people were saying to one guy who was complaining in the comments that he, had, he hasn't uh, been having a good marriage for nine years and he was uh, looking for a divorce or something. Um, so you had pre pretty much interesting things to say about that. Could you just elaborate if you uh, can recall to what I'm talking about? Well, if I want to, I, I should also point out that uh, you and I share another perspective that this is not a subject I feel comfortable talking about. I don't even like using the, the S word. So when I talk about that television program with Carrie and Samantha, <laughs> and uh, I actually never even say the title of that, of that TV show, even though I watch many episodes, I just never say the title. So okay. this will be an interesting discussion. Uh, where I'll try to avoid using that particular word. But uh, what I'd like to say is uh, there's something else I like to do. Even though I am not an expert on relationships, I actually like the idea of helping people. Uh, uh, I, I'm a man, so I know more about what men in the West are going through. I don't know about uh, that much about dating in South Africa. Um, it's pretty much the same, I, uh, I can tell you. <laughs> okay, okay. But I know quite a bit about America and uh, Britain is, I think, sort of in between. I know a little bit um, about uh, Central Europe. And uh, there is a crisis. And the crisis is that uh, it's just not worth... I, I also don't want anyone to think that I might be commenting on any particular relationship I might or might not be in currently. I don't kiss and tell or even in the past. But uh, objectively, I think you can say marriage isn't worth it for men uh, in America. I'll stick with America, but what I say might, as you indicate, apply to other countries too. Uh, it's just not worth it. And uh, so when I read about people like this man that, that um, you mentioned, who has been in this terrible situation for nine years, uh, you know, it's too bad that he didn't get out of it uh, eight and a half years ago. Um, I will say, and this is what's certainly unconventional, there's a reason why the term wifely duty was used. Uh, 
I think we can accept, I'm not a medical doctor, uh, that women are less interested in, let's say, the physical aspect uh, than men are. But um, whether men are biologically wired to need it or, or not, certainly uh, men have lost kingdoms and prime ministerships <laughs> and presidencies almost uh, over it. So it's clearly a powerful drive. And it's also the drive that causes men to do stupid things in order to impress women which led to the creation of our civilization. Um, and you can go back to uh, even myth with uh, Helen of Troy. So men will do crazy things uh, in order to fulfill this, uh, this, uh, this urge. And it's not just physical, actually. So it's not just that. Uh, men do like to please women, whether or not they get something uh, physical as a result of it. Uh, but uh, men have needs, and it's, it shouldn't be something shameful for us to say, say this. And so in a marriage, men have to get something out of it. And I, maybe I could be like Socrates and ask, what do men today get out of marriage? And I don't mean in my parents' generation where it was clear. Um, my parents were married for 49 years before my father passed away. But today, what do men get out of marriage? There might be some exception, uh, a great marriage between uh, two people. But in general, what do men get out of marriage? That's a very good, interesting question. I think they would want they would have kids, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, uh, now the stigma is, is being lessened of uh, having children outside of wedlock. But uh, yes, if if uh, men want kids, uh, it's best to do it within a marriage. However, it's not men who are usually pining for having uh, pining to have kids. There's no five year old boy who is playing with a doll, right? There's no nine-year-old boy who is planning out his wedding. Right? So these are things that are mainly for women. Like uh, I, I've never met a man who had an urge to have kids. I know men will talk about having family and kids because it's been traditionally expected of us to move from stage to stage. Um, and uh, women change, men haven't, or you know, for, you know, to a certain extent. Uh, um, but I don't really think that men are driven by the urge to have kids. Right. That's a very interesting uh, way to think about it. I, mean, I would agree on one point of saying uh, a, a man planning a wedding and stuff. I mean, I don't even see myself doing one, you know, or I don't, yes, be, I don't exactly. even have the thing of saying, oh, I would do this wedding. It's going to be like, like this and that. That's actually one yes. thing that I would try not to do. Or most men, I, I know, they wouldn't actually want to do it. A hundred percent of men, in fact, yeah. <laughs> I'm maybe, maybe rounding up from 99.99%. So these are things for women. Uh, but unfortunately, in our um, modern age, thanks to feminism, all the things that men do for women have been forgotten, ignored. Right. So just the other day, I saw a complaint uh, about how uh, I think the Trump administration wants to eliminate 25 programs dealing with violence against women. And violence is defined in a very vague, in a very general way. So stalking is included in violence, even though technically stalking isn't violence. It might not be good, but it's not violence. Uh, and uh, but you know, men also protect women from violence. Every ninety percent of policemen are men. Ninety percent of firemen are men. Ninety uh, percent of the people in the military are men. That probably goes for every country, maybe even higher in most countries outside of the United States, other than. Um, and so all of that is just ignored, right? Similarly, in a, uh, in a marriage, 
the women get everything that they want. They get the very expensive wedding, uh, which no man is interested in, um, which will might even put the, the young couple uh, into debt. Uh, they get the constant money, right? So the man, I remember reading this uh, article, it, it actually incensed me, uh, about a, uh, a man who made a spreadsheet of all the excuses his wife gave him for not engaging in marital relations. That's the term I actually use. Um, and it's the proper term because this is how, this is what's supposed to happen in a marriage. Um, his wife uh, made a, a series of excuses, apparently going back months for why they couldn't have marital relations. And he made a spreadsheet, showed it to his wife. And what did his, did his wife do? She uploaded it to the internet and mocked her own husband. Uh, so the women get what they want. She got the security. She got the marital relationship, which enabled her to have kids without scorn uh, from her parents. Um, uh, and of course, her husband, while she might uh, engage in marital relations once a month or less, her husband is not paying for her only once a month. He's paying for her 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And even if they get a divorce, which in this case I'm sure is inevitable, she would continue to get money. There's something called alimony. Uh, so in, uh, uh, it's probably the same in every part of the United States, but uh, I was looking at um, you know, the information for one particular state, and they even ask if, if the wife is going to get alimony or the spouse, but we all know it's the wife who's getting it. I think in 97% of cases, it's the wife who gets alimony, not the husband. They uh, were they were asking for it. So even if the wife wasn't thinking of getting money from the husband that she was about to divorce, uh, she would be thinking about it. So why is this if we are living in a feminist era where men and women are supposedly supposed to be treated equally? Are they even talking about something like alimony? So when they get a divorce, and this is a, an important point, the man still has to pay the wife, still has to give a huge amount of money to his wife, not for child support, just for alimony. Whereas, uh, does the wife have to uh, engage in marital relations with her ex-husband maybe once a week? Can the judge in their divorce proceeding rule that? No, of course not. That would be considered absolutely absurd. So the women get what they want out of a relationship, which is money, primary, basically. But the men don't get what we want out of relationships. And nor uh, are we even allowed to say that that's what we want because it's considered so wrong. Absolutely, uh, especially on that forum, um, the point that most men were making was that uh, they're being ignored the things that they actually need, that they actually feel that they want and they, they feel that they're in a way entitled to them, like um, uh, physical mar marital intimacy or whatever you can call it. Uh, physical, yes. uh, um, whatever interactions in marriage, and it's it yes. makes uh, it kind of it's to the point where it makes them feel like uh, they're outrageous big um, uh, victims in a way that they want something so much that they actually some of them are called addicts uh, by by feminists just because yes they want that uh, which yes. is which is a pity um, and as you said that the women get what they want and then. And some of the guys actually in the, some of the people in the forum also made a point saying, uh, you know, there's a, an odd saying that says, uh, sorry if this, uh, the S word offends you, um, but it says, 
uh, sex ends the moment she says yes, or she put a ring on it, yes, or something like that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And and so, well, you can use it. It's fine. I I just choose not to. I okay. just will use the same concept. So this is uh, exactly uh, correct. It's the saying, and it's a funny saying until you're in that situation, and then it's not so funny anymore because you're locked into this monogamous relationship. Maybe Solomon had less trouble, but today <laughs> you're, you're locked into a monogamous relationship. And therefore, thanks to feminism, actually, because in the past people understood that, okay, the, you have a wife, you honor that wife. Um, she passes her, you know, the, the saying is that men age like wine, women age like milk. Uh, women are, uh, and I'll just stick with 18 because that's what our society does. But women are beautiful from 18, maybe up to 25, 26, perhaps 29. But you don't, in the, in the past, you didn't simply discard your wife uh, when she was no longer physically attractive and you stayed married to her for another, for another 40, 50 years, depending on how many McDonald's French fries you ate on a regular basis. <laughs> the, uh, but uh, the, uh, so for starters, it requires women to get married earlier. Now I think the median age of first marriage for women is something like 26, uh, which in many cultures, like in China, I've heard, they're no, they say that um, basically something like, uh, well, they wouldn't say this exactly, but there, there's no Christmas after 25 because <laughs> you're supposed to be married by then. Or in Russia, uh, I knew a woman who said that her grandmother was pestering her on a regular basis because she wasn't married yet and she was 24. Uh, in America, thanks to feminism, women would consider getting married at, at 24 or 22, like people in my mother's generation, to be insanely young. They get married, like some of my friends, uh, when they're 29, 30, um, and, uh, but that's close to their uh, sell-by date. <laughs> and then they wonder why these relationships aren't as good as they would like or why they don't last. And there's a woman named who goes by the name the Princeton Mom, uh, who wrote a book on this topic, and she was attacked by the liberal media in America, but every point that she made pretty much was correct. And that's, she didn't really say that women should get married young, but um, you could infer that point from what she wrote, and it's actually great advice. So the advice that I have, it's helpful to men and it's helpful to women if they really want to have relationships like the ones that their parents, or in the case of young people today, their grandparents had. Um, it was where there was an understanding that there's, uh, there are wifely duties that doesn't make the wife a prostitute because you don't marry a prostitute. Uh, so that simple charge by the feminist can be dismissed out of hand. Whereas one can argue that a wife who does not engage in marital relations with her husband is actually, uh, the one who has no respect for him. Uh, and so it's actually a bad relationship, not just because there aren't, um, uh, there's nothing physical going on. It's actually a bad relationship. Uh, so today I want men to be able to say, this is what we want. Uh, we want a return to this past way of having, uh, of, of this past way of formulating a marriage. There are marital relations going on uh, on a regular basis. And um, women get what they want, a husband who adores them and is willing to go through a burning building to save them. Uh, but instead, uh, the women will say, no, um, we have feminism. Uh, this is terrible. Anything men want is bad. 
um, which is basically what their argument is. Uh, and uh, therefore, uh, we can do whatever we want. Um, there's no head of the family, uh, even though you have much less of an incentive to stay with us past 35. Um, and uh, as a result, there's a divorce rate of 50% in the United States, which means that more than 50% of marriages are bad because as you saw in the comments section beneath that video, a lot of men stay in bad marriages. Absolutely. I was actually shocked to see that, you know, it's just, it was one of the things that actually made me question more. It's just like, is marriage really a good investment? If it is, it's not, you, you know. can do an analysis. You can do an analysis. Some economists did a spoof, wrote a spoof article many years ago saying that prostitution was actually a better investment than marriage. Uh, and it was a spoof article, but you could actually do the math and see that it, it checks out depending on what country you're talking about. Uh, because a man uh, doesn't care if he is driving a, a jalopy, you know, a beaten down, a, a beat up vehicle. He doesn't care. Right. It's, he gets the nice new car to impress women. Uh, a man can live in a, a dirty apartment, or maybe not dirty, but an apartment which isn't, you know, doesn't have all the latest um, devices, and he doesn't need a, a house in the country with a big yard. All of that is for women, for a wife. Men don't need any of that stuff. Uh, so you actually are saving lots of money um, by not uh, being married. Um, so, uh, uh, it, it, and, and then when you get married, you can wind up like the man that you mentioned, yeah. uh, nine years in a, relationship, in a relationship where your wife doesn't touch you. That could happen at any moment. You have no warning. Feminists have told women that this is all perfectly okay, and a man has no right to even expect anything from you. Uh, and, uh, and then you're stuck because of the way the divorce laws are set up with alimony. So then if you leave, you could actually wind up paying still half your salary to this woman um, who hated you uh, and essentially tricked you because these aren't women who were virgins when they were getting married. They were in our parents' generation. But today they are they aren't. Uh, so these women knew what they were doing when before to rope the man in, and then afterwards said, "Okay, now I've got him." Um, uh, so all of these this, this, these systems need to change. Uh, I would say beginning with alimony it should be eliminated. Uh, there should be a campaign to completely eliminate it. Uh, child support, okay, that's a separate issue, but there should be no such concept as alimony alimony in the law um and uh um yeah it's as simple as that so you know it's pretty sad that these kind of conversations uh, aren't the ones that people are talking about even though that's actually what most people think about especially men uh but you know with the whole movement uh, against men almost right now in the background people don't even want to talk about it they're scared or they feel uh, that if they talk about it, there will be pointed fingers at or, or names will be uh, attached to them just because they're actually talking about how they feel. But like online is actually a great platform where people can come out because they feel uh, that they're anonymous, you know, and so they talk about everything. I don't think... This, well, this, I use my name, which is how you found me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, this guy on this forum uh, actually... For example, I don't think he would go out and uh, in a group of people 
and talk about it uh, and talk about this. Um, no, he wouldn't. Yeah, actually, I will read his uh, his message, uh, his comment on the on the forum that day. It said, "I would gladly show this video to my wife of nine plus years, but she would probably scream at me that you know I do not wish to speak to you about sex. If you don't like our relationship, then get a divorce." So after more than nine years, where the sex was only great before marriage, and it almost stopped immediately after she said, I do, which is the odd joke, but I'm sorry to say it is only too true. So my choice at, the, my choice at this point in my life is to divorce or hang, hang it up or cheat. Sorry to say those are the only three choices for all of us married men. If I met a woman over the age of 40 who was really passionate, I would leave my marriage tomorrow. That's really sad and dreary right there. Yes, and that's the way it is. And, and I looked up some statistics, and apparently 20% of marriages are in that situation. So it really is an epidemic. And if they're in that situation where the couples are having um, marital relations uh, 10 times a year or less, um, then it's still going to be bad for even more than 20% of all marriages. So it's actually an epidemic. And what the women don't realize, because they're led by the Pied Piper feminists, is that this hurts them. Uh, there's a reason why in 1960, six, some 60% of couples, or 60% of people under 30 were married, and now it's, it's only 20%. The reason is because, I think, men have figured out that marriage is not worth it. The risks are too great. Uh, women can change immediately after saying, I do, and so the men don't get what they want, but the women continue to get what they want, which is the money. Uh, and if that's, you know, that's clear because only 30% of, uh, of wives make more than their husbands. And that, and it was less than 20% 30 years ago. Um, 75% of women say they wouldn't even consider dating an unemployed man. Whereas a hundred percent of men would consider dating an unemployed woman. <laughs> so it's clear that the women are interested in money and the men aren't. The, the Cinderella story is not about how Cinderella met a really nice guy who is a custodian in the palace, um, but a nice guy. Uh, that's not what the Cinderella story is about. So the women get what they want, but the men are no longer getting what we want. Uh, but here's the thing, again, thanks to feminism, women now give away the milk for free. And therefore, uh, men, I was a nerd when I was a kid. Uh, I uh, didn't even go out on a date till I was age 26. Wow. And so when, yeah, and I don't think I even had a conversation with a woman lasting more than a minute until I was in graduate school. So if you, you know, rather than a relative, like, you know, a girl who I actually could conceivably date. So if you, um, but then I figured out these various secrets and tricks and they do work. I'm not going to name any specific person whose ideas are better than others, but, um, you know, in general, whatever the pickup artists say actually works. Uh, <laughs> I, I can con I can confirm that. It really is the case that nice guys finish last and uh, young women especially like, like the bad boys. And so women have dealt themselves a devastating blow because people like myself, particularly if you're a former science nerd, meaning you're more analytical, we figure it out 
and then there's no going back. Uh, and <laughs> can, and so I can relate to that. Yeah, what you're saying. You know, yeah, ma many many men can. I wrote something for Essence Magazine, which is a magazine for African American women, uh, about this. Um, and uh, um, it was about it's called Players and Professors. Uh, but uh, at the time, I didn't quite understand what was happening. Why were these women dating men who were in jail? Uh, and it wasn't that they were more handsome, uh, they, they could have had, uh, scars or something like that, but they were the literal thugs, uh, just regardless of their own personal background, they could have had the same family background as myself, you know, their parents were university professors or something like that. Uh, and yet they preferred these, these men, what's going on. And then I decided to start being bad like that, not to the extent of going to jail, of course, right. but uh, and then the, the the difference was night and day. It was actually quite incredible. It was disgusting to me, in fact. Uh, I even did this experiment with uh, the same person, where first I was the bad boy, and then I decided to be my normal self. And as the bad boy, uh, uh, I, I won't, you know, I, I don't kiss and tell, but I, I got the desired reaction. And then as the nice guy. Um, uh, she was uh, dismissive. Uh, and so it was almost like a scientific experiment. And I could see that, yeah, this is, this is how it's, it's happening. Um, so this is a big problem. You don't see this with other cultures. So when you, in America, see the Chinese computer science student, he can have a girlfriend or a wife who's quite attractive. Uh, you'll never see that in America. Right. So what's wrong with American culture? There's clearly something wrong. Or even the age factor. This man, I think on that forum, I told him that he could date someone who's 20. I myself, in my, yeah, I myself in my 30s or even in my 40s have dated women who are 19, 20. Uh, it's, and I'm not James Dean. Um, I'm not Urkel, but I'm not James Dean. Uh, so it's possible for anyone when you learn these techniques uh, well, not possible by anyone, but it is possible. It is possible. I won't say how likely, but it is possible when you learn these these techniques. But they mostly apply to women in other countries, not in America, uh, where an age difference of eight years is consider is considered gigantic. But in Russia, you say you could be with someone who is half your age. Uh, the only problem is if you're not in Russia, <laughs> you you know you're stuck in America, and you might want to date someone who's in America. Uh, it's not so easy to go to Russia, and then if you do go to Russia, you don't know if the person just wants the green card or if they're a member of the mafia or something like that, which actually is a reasonable um, there's a reasonable chance of that being the case. Uh, so that's the problem if you're stuck in America, but. The culture in America is diseased. Uh, the relations between men and women have been poisoned by feminism, and it hurts women. Uh, it doesn't hurt the women who hate men who might play for the other team, like they say on the TV show Seinfeld, but uh, it does hurt the vast majority of women uh, who want to get married and have children uh, because they've turned men in our culture into bad boys or want to be bad boys or got men who will soon realize whether it's at age 26 or sooner, that they get further as bad boys than they would as the men who worship women and want to put them on a pedestal. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's quite terrible for American women, especially, but they don't realize it. You know, the, the thing is, uh, uh, those problems are almost in a lot of places simply because our cultures, uh, the culture has, is becoming more global, you know, because of the internet and um, uh, uh, the world feel a little smaller, you know, uh, so the exchange of yes. cultures through art and music and stuff. So it's a little bit similar. Uh, and just to point out on the, uh, I, I, I grew up a nerd as well. I mean, I mean internally, I'm an ultimate nerd. I, I like my my time and I'm an introvert but also I went through a phase where I had to catch up and read about all the social stuff in a way that as you said you can kind of technically it's almost mathematical in, in a certain way where you can actually there there are buttons you can press to make something work I read a few yes books. I read a few books like they, they pick up other stuff that you said I read a few books on that one of it could be uh, the rational male um, a very good book. yeah i've heard of that yeah yeah it's mm. a really good book i read a few books like that so it became something that uh for women uh specifically it became something that i can turn on and off just like you say like play the bad boy and then you can also become yourself when you want uh, i did a, uh, a test on online on online dating actually so i took um i made two profiles on some uh some uh, online dating site one for yes. a, one for a male and one for a female. Ah, uh, yeah. interesting. And a very beautiful picture of a female. I had to ask somebody actually who is uh, pretty good looking. So uh -huh. I saw what kind of messages the women receive and what kind of messages men receive. So yes. I thought to myself, like, if I I was this woman, uh, which one of these would I would I reply to? So yes. so I saw, and then I did a little bit of background hacking and see. Uh, which uh, which kind of uh, messages get a response and which kind of men and pictures get a response. So I could see that, okay, this guy and this guy, uh, if I, I see somebody send me a message, pretty good message, I'll do some background checks and it would show me their their response rate, how much they get responded back uh, from women. So mm. I, would, I would see guys from like 60 to 80%. So I would just copy exactly what those guys do. I did the same. Oh, so just working. excellent. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. I love it. You could become a millionaire. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. Because this information is gold to millions of men. This information. You should write a book immediately. Yeah, maybe um, I should think about it. Yeah. yeah, you should write a book. I'll, I'll be happy to edit it for you. Cool. Uh, so you should write a book immediately on this. You could make a lot of money. All right. Uh, it was really funny. It was just like I was just taking what these other guys do and do the same. Uh, and it, yes. was, it was working because there's a theory that I believe that I heard somewhere. I think I read in a book that says you must just look at the best and just try to imitate what they do. You might you're not gonna be them, but you'll be like something about fifty to sixty percent what they are in a way. Yeah, so that's, that's a good philosophy of life. But when it comes to dating Western women, uh, it, it is sad that you can actually follow some blueprint. And it works a lot of the time. I mean, even like there are no Casanovas, uh, even the people who are the best pickup artists uh, uh, fail most of the time. But there are techniques that you can use uh, to increase your chances. And the sad fact is they work uh, like uh, today, not being too interested. It's the kiss of death to be too interested in a woman before she has expressed interest in you. Uh, it's weird. It's counterproductive. It doesn't help women, but because uh, if 
if the women, since the women do prefer the men who are not interested in them, <laughs> what are they going to wind up with? Men who are not interested in them. Okay. So, uh, yeah, what we did is a, a brilliant idea, and it's a sad fact that there are techniques you can use to increase your chances with American women, particularly not being too excited in them, which pretty much guarantees that a woman is going to wind up with a husband who is not as interested in her. So it, it hurts women that they have somehow allowed themselves to be reprogrammed in this fashion. Uh, you don't find it, I think, in other countries. For example, there are mail order bride services that a lot of Russian women employ, and uh, they're openly saying, yes, I want to get married, as opposed to this dance that one has to do on uh, American dating websites like Match.com, uh, where once a woman even even told me uh, that she, she responded to me, and then I wrote her back suggesting that we have a, a, a call in a couple of days. And uh, she thought that was too pushy. Like, you're on a dating website. She responds to my message. I suggest that we have a phone call in two days. And that's too pushy. So, so uh, just to take off a little bit of a tangent here, why didn't you use the S word or sex in your oh, vocabulary? That's just how I was raised. I, I, um, as you said before in one of your other podcasts, it's not even a topic that I feel comfortable discussing. It's just that society has reached this crisis point now. As I said, 20% of people under 30 now are married, down from 60% 50 years ago. The divorce rate is 50%. It certainly wasn't that way uh, in my parents' generation or the grandparents' generation, generation of the grandparents of the young people today. Uh, and uh, so there's a disastrous situation. You see a lot of men who are dissatisfied with uh, the way relations are. Uh, as uh, Rush V, who's a, he doesn't call himself a pickup artist, but he is, as Rush V uh, has stated, did our fathers have to work this hard just to get a date? Uh, and, and, and make turning it into a numbers question uh, when I was on the internet dating website, Match.com, I uh, wrote, I don't know how many, probably literally 1,000, 2,000 messages. Um, and uh, that, uh, in the most recent time period when I did that, it wasn't to, uh, it, it didn't even result in uh, dates. Whereas on a Russian mail order bride website, uh, you could send uh, a few hundred messages and you could actually even meet some of these people if you're willing to fly over. And they weren't uh, out of shape old women who are uh, desperate to have children. They could be 19, 20, um, very attractive women who actually, some, in some cases, literally models. Uh, now, you don't know if they are genuine or if they just want permanent residency in the United States or if they're connected with the mafia. But uh, it, the situation is radically different between a traditional culture like Russia and a femi feminist uh, culture like the United States in, uh, um, in the 21st century. There's a real problem. Well, here's how I would analyze it. 
you have a tiny minority of uh, feminists, uh, people like Andrea Dworkin, Catherine McKinnon. These are people who hate men. Uh, in many cases, they don't want men because they play for the other team. Uh, but they're the most strident, perhaps because they're mentally unbalanced. I don't know. Well, they are mentally imbalanced, but they're the most strident. Uh, they are the Pied Pipers and lead other women. Because in America, only 23% of, of, of women uh, call themselves feminists. I think it's even lower in Great Britain. I don't know what the numbers are in South Africa. The, uh, uh, but they lead the other women down the garden path and don't realize that these other women want to destroy relations between women and men. The feminists do because they hate men. But the people who pay the price are the other women who want relationships with men, who want to have children without being scorned by their parents, even if they don't care about having kids out of wedlock, their parents do because their parents bother to get married, um, who want relationships that last 50 years marriage did, but now they don't get it. Um, they're the ones who are actually harmed. So, yeah, they'll say a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, um, but it's just a lie. Women uh, need men who are policemen. Women need men who are in the military. Women need men who are firemen. Women need men because they actually want someone who's going to buy that $5,000 diamond ring, who's going to buy that house with a white picket fence, which for some reason they don't want to buy themselves. They want someone to buy it for them. Uh, I think it's 84%, according to Forbes magazine, 84% of women want to be stay-at-home mothers. They aspire to be stay-at-home mothers. Uh, well, okay, when they're stay-at-home mothers, that means they need somebody who's going to pay for all of that. So they actually want men, they actually do need men, uh, but the situation is such that there's nothing in it for men anymore. There is a man to get married and give such a woman the white picket fence for a variety of reasons. One is uh, they don't actually respect the husband anymore. They don't feel the need because they'll then claim, well, there's no head of the household. Therefore, uh, what's the point? They ignore the fact that they need men more than the men, men need them in all areas except for one. Um, that, uh, but now, because they give the milk away for free, the man, when he reaches 35, can then find a 20-year-old. The woman, when she reaches 35, has no one except for the man that she, uh, if she was smart, married when she was 22. Um, but uh, if, if there's nothing in, if there's no warmth in that relationship for the husband, why does he need to stick around? The only reason is the negative impetus, that is alimony. The woman can compel him to continue to pay for her for the rest of her life, uh, but those laws should, should change. As soon as those laws do change, then they'll lose all control over men, and there'll be pretty much no incentive for men to marry, unless the women en masse decide to return to this traditional way of thinking, which is what I am advocating. It's a way that of thinking that helps men and women. They just, uh, the women just haven't fully comprehended that yet. I also want to point out that the men that the women prefer who have a lot of money, they also have recognized this now and they will just go to Asia, to Russia, Eastern Europe, uh, Africa, Latin America, places where women still have the traditional type of thinking, the traditional uh, relations between men and women, husbands and wives. 
um, that kind of thinking is now gone from the United States. Um, and so you'll see an epidemic of essentially spinsters in the United States because of this, as the men that they would prefer decide to take their hard-earned cash and find a, if they want to get married, which is still sort of a mistake, um, will they'll find a foreign bride, a non-American bride. Well, uh, actually, taking back on that, uh, you actually made a, co a comment in the forum saying this other woman came and said that, well, um, there are also women with money and uh, men without money and you, the marriage still works and the woman works, provide everything, uh, and the man is actually in there for the money. So you came in and you commented saying the American man who marries for money is an extremely rare creature. Every female you know wants financial independence, and yet Forbes magazine reports 84% of American women aspire to stay, uh, to be stay-at-home moms. It's another example of the discrepancy between what American women say they want and what they actually want. Funny how yes. man, how man minds take, sorry, funny how no man minds taking care of women. We don't consider the stay-at-home mom a freeloader. This has nothing to yeah. do with having been hurt, you said. Yes. Well, um, so that comment reflects uh, two common objections. One is uh, the idea that men and women are the same. The men and women aren't the same. They have different interests, um, and that is perfectly fine. There's no reason why. Like, why are there so few female politicians, for example? Women are more than half of the electorate, but only 20% of women in the House of Representatives or I think Parliament in the United States, uh, in, in Great Britain, uh, are women. Well, uh, American University in Washington, D.C. Uh, did a study and they said that women just don't want to run for office. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Now, one can come up with some reasons why my theory is simply that men don't also don't just want to run for office. We acquire wealth and we acquire power in order to impress women. There are some people who are generally interested in just doing whatever it is they want to do. Uh, but for the most part, as I said in the beginning of the interview, uh, we don't need a fancy car. I certainly don't. I don't need a fancy place to live. Um, but I know that women want these things. I don't need expensive furniture. Uh, a futon would suit me, but it wouldn't suit a wife. Uh, so we spend the money on these other things in order to get women. Uh, the feminists don't understand this. They think that it's some exciting club being a politician or whatever. And and that's why that's why they want to break into those arenas or want 50 percent representation in in Congress or Parliament. Uh, but women understand that they just don't have that drive. They don't need it. Prince Charming will come along and pay for them. Uh, so the saying that feminists hate, is it better to, for your daughter to be smart than pretty? And the answer is it's better for your daughter to be pretty because some man will come along and pay for everything. And smart, no one is against a Marie Curie. What they are against is a Liz Lemon from the TV show 30 Rock, uh, someone who is just uh, uh, snide and sarcastic. Uh, if you go to Mash.com, probably 60% of women in their 20s talk about how sarcastic they are. Sarcasm, I think it's been said, it's the lowest form of humor. It's not even really humor. It's just insulting people. What man wants to be with that versus, say, the 
typical Chinese woman. Uh, one of my favorite videos is a video of a Chinese woman giving her husband a foot massage in an airport. Someone thought this was so weird that he filmed it, but apparently it's not so weird. Weird. Uh, everyone is going to prefer that wife, the Chinese wife who's giving her husband a foot massage to Liz Lemon, who is full of sarcasm and snark. But in America, that's pretty much all you find. And a lot of guys are desperate because of the 80-20 rule, where it's more like 90-10 rule. 90 percent uh, of women want 10 percent of the guys. Uh, and so they're very desperate. But eventually these guys, especially if they're science nerds and analytical, they figure it all out. And then the women are left with nobody. So um, one woman who I, don't, I said I wouldn't kiss and tell. I never kiss this girl anyway. But um, one woman that I knew when I was uh, when I didn't know anything about dating um, called me up some 20 years later. And oh, what a surprise. You know, she's unmarried. She was interested in at the time dating people who had been to jail, even though uh, she university educated or parents, university professors or the like. Uh, but it didn't work out after 20 years for her. But for me, it still worked out. I could date women who were her age back then. <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, that's really so, hard mathematics right there. <laughs> but they don't understand that. And only people like the Princeton mom tell them this. And uh, their feminist, because um, now this has been going on for several generations, their feminist mothers uh, don't give them this warning that um, uh, your chief value is your uh, youth, your youthful beauty. But even it, it's not even just that you have to look like Kate Upton. Uh, they could just look how they are, and uh, but that's their chief value: being pleasant. Uh, traditional virtues that you might still find uh, exhibited in China, uh, and what people like. Uh, Andrea Dworkin are telling them to behave like that's not going to get them a husband, certainly not a, a good husband. In other countries, there are men who are willing to be with women just because they're wealthy. In Jamaica, you find this phenomenon of the beach boy. Uh, you may have heard of the novel, How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Uh, that happened in real life to the author of that novel. She met some uh, Jamaican beach bum who was uh, half her age. But it turned out he played for the other team. So uh, that's the kind of person that women are going to meet. If they think they can turn the tables and they can become uh, wealthy and powerful and they'll have all kinds of men flocking to them, they won't. Sorry, I never but heard the I, best. I'm sorry. Yeah, go, how go Stellar ahead, got a group back. Yeah, I, send me a link to that story. I need to check it out. Yeah, it's not very good. It's just uh, it was just a very popular novel at the time, and before the author's husband came out of the closet, that he was probably that way, and uh, you know I was proven right. But um, you know most women love it when uh, feminized women in America love it uh, when they think the tables are turned and women get to act like men. And you see this a lot in movies now, where women are punching men out. So a 90-pound woman is punching out some 200-pound security guard in an action movie. Uh, they love that kind of thing, but it remains firmly in the realm of fantasy. Um, in the real world, a lot of women still like the traditional relations, but they're finding it harder and harder to get because, 
Well, because they've shot themselves in the foot following these Pied Pipers. So it's common now that uh, a lot of guys, as you have said, they're figuring it out, especially men who are really worthy uh, in a way or smart. Uh, they, I mean, I read a book recently about uh, Larry Ellison. He actually pulled up a, a prenup on the day of his wedding for the woman to sign. And to the women there and other people around the wedding, it was like unheard of. Like, you just can't do that. Mm -hmm. Because they thought, or uh, uh, critics online say, no, that's like a, your, your best day of your life. You should bring up this sad story of like assuming maybe one day we'll break up. But to me, that's just like black and white clear. You know that there's a 50% uh, 50 chance that you might get divorced. Why did you uh, want to protect your, your worth? And that goes to both the woman and the man. And by the way, well, La I Larry Ellison is the founder of Oracle, if you don't know about him. I like to think positively, and so I don't like the idea of prenuptial agreements for that reason. Uh, but at the same time, uh, and, and also I know that many prenuptial agreements uh, can, w women have ways of uh, breaking them. Uh, so people might think that it's an iron, it's ironclad protection, but it's actually not. Uh, the best protection is to not get married at all. Um, but, you know, the, the longer one lives, you see clearly that women are interested in money. Like uh, there is the song by Tone Lok 20 years ago. You got no money, you got no car, then you got no woman, and there you are. Uh, or as the colloquial expression is in the United States, no money, no honey. Uh, so it's crystal clear. Many men were willing to accept that as long as they got something in return. Part of it would be the wifely duty. Part of it would be devotion by the wife to the husband. And it's really mainly devotion by the husband, uh, devotion of the husband to the, toward the wife because, to the wife because uh, the husband is the one who stays with her when she's 35 to 80. Um, so it, it's, uh, but uh, everything has gotten turned around. So you have feminists saying that marriage is bad for women when marriage is great for women. Uh, but men are beginning to realize that marriage is bad for men because women have allowed the situation uh, to become so bad. They don't have. They they now think they can uh, not have marital relations with their the the man they're married to, and that that's perfectly acceptable. Or they will grudgingly do it once a year. There was a movie by the comedian Chris Rock called "I Think I Love My Wife," where that was the case. The wife uh, stopped having marital relations with her husband, and we were supposed to think that that was acceptable. It's not acceptable. That should be cause for divorce um, and, and with a woman getting nothing. We've already agreed that there should be no alimony, but that should be cause for divorce, but it's not viewed as that, not even by uh, a lot of men, regrettably. So it's considered okay for the woman to get everything she wants, the security from a, a marriage, um, and especially being able to have raised children in, in um, a marriage, uh, the money that the husband brings, because the husband almost always makes more than, than the, the wife. And in, in upper middle class or uh, upper, certainly upper class circles, the woman even gets paid for entirely. So it's a paid, all expenses paid vacation for the wife. And according to people like the chief operating officer of Facebook, uh, Cheryl Sandberg, she doesn't even think that women should have to do chores at home. Um, and so, uh, they don't have to do anything, but get everything. 
monetarily. They don't even have to show respect to the husband. There's been a, uh, a large number of, of commercials where the man or husband or father is a, is a dodo in the commercial and the wife is super smart. Uh, so there's no respect. There's no father's no no father knows best idea anymore. Uh, there's nothing in it for men anymore, other than the inertia of tradition, and even that is dissipating. And then women in maybe another generation will figure out that they made a big mistake. So I grew up in uh, in, in Malawi, as I told you last time, for example. Um, and in, in a lot of uh, African countries, women marry for the same reasons, obviously, as the Western saying money and power, usually money because they want uh, status and uh, yeah, good well-being, basically, just that they can be take they can be taken care of. But then what I grew up witnessing was that a lot of them um, were being abused in certain ways and they would just stay in because they didn't have had a choice. You know, so do well, you think that's a consequence that comes when uh, women become more reliant on men sometimes? Uh, I say uh, that right now we have the opposite situation. That man that you were quoting was staying in a relationship, uh, maybe out of misguided loyalty, but also because he knew that he would be taken to the cleaners financially if he left because of alimony. Uh, so right now, men are staying in bad, rotten, awful marriages because they are financially chained. They feel they don't have the freedom financially to leave the marriage. So that's the situation we have now. Men are the ones locked into, into marriages because they don't feel they can leave financially. What I say is, let's go back to the traditional way of uh, marriage. It worked for my parents, my grandparents. It's not working for the people who are my age group or younger. It's not working clearly now uh, with the change. So what um, uh, men got something out of the relationship and women got something out of the relationship. They both got something that they wanted. The men got, uh, they both want companionship, I would assume, but uh, men also do want marital relations. Women got money. They also wanted security. They got that. Uh, so let's go back to that situation. Right. So getting back to the prenuptial uh, agreement that I, I brought up, my argument there was, I don't know how it is like in the United States right now, but here there's still this emotional um, sense about marriage as being too glorified. You know, it's just like when you mention weddings or marriage, it's just like th people think butterflies and all that stuff, that the, the whole logical or uh, analytical uh, sense side of it get eliminated quickly. Like the argument about um, uh, the prenups is just like, no, you shouldn't bring up assumptions of saying, oh, maybe one day we might break up and I want to protect myself. You just should go inside it without even thinking about it, which I think that's well, usually very disastrous. I personally think that because uh, as the divorce rates uh, in most places are like 50 percent, I mean, that's for sure that there's a chance that that might happen. Well, I believe in uh, the idea that, uh, you know, thoughts can become things, as they say. So I try not to go into situations with a negative outlook. Uh, so if you're expecting a divorce and you have a prenup, I think, yeah, it's not going to be a surprise if you do uh, get a divorce. Um, but uh, someone who's rich knows 
that women are just interested in him for his money. This guy was a nerd 20 years ago, and he probably had no women. He probably had no dates. Absolutely. And now, he, and now that he's a billionaire, he's he, the most beautiful women are pretending to be interested in him. So of course he has no respect for that. I'm I'm just surprised that he even got married at all. Yeah, uh, and you got married uh, like three times, I think. Okay, I see. Well, Leonardo DiCaprio is has the right idea. Uh, and uh, there's a quote attributed to Donald Trump. He may have actually said it. Uh, and he said, you know, he talks about treating women like blank, another word that starts with S. And, uh, of course, people bash him for having said that. But all that matters is, does it work? And anyone who has experimented with different ways of trying to uh, approach women knows it does work empirically, whether it should work, uh, is whether you want it to work, irrelevant. The simple fact is empirically, that's what everybody finds. And it's not surprising that a billionaire like Trump might just have contempt uh, for women uh, because he sees that he knows for a fact that they're only interested in him in him because he has a billion dollars. Um, and But that's the kind of man that women are creating now because they have dis- they they have contempt for the nice guy absolute hatred of the nice guy and they flock towards the bad boys including people with actual criminal records as i indicated uh, and they and they hate the guy who would actually love them with a courtly type of um, uh, you know courtly love who is willing to write sonnets for them that kind of guy that young women of today in America hates. Right. And so surprise, surprise, they wind up with guys who uh, they don't like and who may even treat them badly. Uh, that's one reason why I'm less sympathetic towards those relationships. I wonder how many, how many guys who are nice did, the, did those women reject. And then they wind up with a guy who treats them indifferently or worse. Uh, but getting back to the situation of women who might feel stuck in a relationship, uh, I say uh, that's adulthood. Uh, if I, um, uh, in what other situation can you make an investment and then if the company goes bankrupt, say, I want my money back? In what other situation can you do that? You can't. You can't. <laughs> and, and, and the man is making an investment too. He's saying, I am giving up the life of Leonardo DiCaprio, where I could have 20 different women every day, to be with this one woman who is, as people have said crassly, I admit, a depreciating asset, because at 35, she won't look the way she looked at 19, uh, but I'm going to commit to staying with her till she's 85. Um, that man is, is losing something, too. Not to mention, he's going to be the one who's working when his wife is a stay-at-home mom on her all-expenses-paid vacation. So it's a ridiculous idea that only women are losing um, and uh, when they go into marriage. No, only women are gaining when they, uh, when they get married. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, look. Uh, yeah. You were about to say something? Well... Well, I'm trying to give a solution. The solution is to go back to the way it was for our parents' generation, at least my, my parents' generation. 
But then do you think that would work if uh, we have equality financially? Uh, only for this reason would it not work. It's because, um, now I'm not an economist, but I suspect one reason why you can't have women staying at home so easily now is that women enter the workforce and so em employers could cut wages. They've got twice as many people to choose from. But that isn't the situation that women want, as that Forbes magazine survey shows. Um, but, you know, if a, a man doesn't have a problem dating a successful woman, this is a uh, myth. The problem is that the successful woman does have a problem dating him. I, I love that statistic that says 75% of women wouldn't even consider dating an unemployed man. Not a lazy man, just someone who's unemployed. Because wow. you can be unemployed for all kinds of reasons outside of your control. But... Uh, they don't even want to consider that. Uh, and um, uh, the other um, problem, the real problem is that women think that if they are in a superior situation financially, that they are superior and they lose respect for the man. And that's what creates problems in the relationship. But men don't think that way. A man doesn't care if the woman is employed or not. And a man will continue to love a woman who is nice and respectful, even when her main asset goes away. Right. So we did uh, a podcast, episode 20, for the people listening. It's called Blesser and Blessee. We talked about a situation in, in Cape Town specifically where you get uh, some clubs or bars where women are very pretty much expensive places to be in. Women just go there without uh, having no money at all. Not, not all women, obviously, but some women. In fact, actually most of them. They just go and they sit somewhere around the corner and then there's usually a few men in, that, uh, in those places where they uh, book a table and just buy drinks and then most women come surrounding them. You know, uh, it's not always that these women can't pay for themselves, but it's just like there's a sense of saying, well, some uh, the man has to pay in a certain way. So if you have that kind of situation, it already creates an imbalance of where if you are the guy buying those things, you're making an investment. This is the reality of it. If you if you uh, if you um, analyze it properly, you find that you're actually making an investment. So then the expectations of this guy is usually to sleep with one of these women. So if I bring out this phenomenon to, uh, to a lot of women around me, they actually deny it. They say, no, that's not their thing. These women just there to have fun. They don't want to do anything with anyone. So I'm like, why do you think somebody is just buying them drinks who doesn't even know you? I don't know what you think about it's, that. It's part of the double think that many women have. As you said earlier, uh, and as I've said, and many people have said, women will say they want this, 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 or this in a mate, but in reality, they don't. So they'll say they want a nice guy, but in reality, they want the guy with a criminal record, the bad boy. Uh, many Sometimes they'll, they'll be honest and say that they really want the bad boy. Um, so you do find lots of women who go to clubs in America or Britain wearing super short skirts, tight, tight dresses, and they actually are saying that they're they're just there to have fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that they're not there. To, they're not there to meet guys. Uh, okay, then why don't you dance in a potato sack? Why don't you dance in your own apartment? You could invite your friends to your own apartment and just dance. Then, if you're not there to meet guys, uh, but 
as you'll find on websites like Kings, they'll, um, there's been a change in the mindset. In the past, a woman would go to a dance, and a dance, and even a traditional dance from 50 years ago, it is part of the mating ritual. It's not crass, it's not crude, but obviously it is part of the mating ritual because you have boys dancing with girls. Absolutely. Um, but it's civilized. That's just how it is. Um, uh, we know that in a marriage there are marital relations, but you don't talk about them. But now uh, women are entitled, feel entitled to have all the stuff bought for them. And they're almost more contemptuous of the man who buys them drinks, at least in America. I don't know about these clubs in Cape Town. I did go to a club in Cape Town, but um, I was there with with people I knew, so I didn't I didn't really see uh, what what else was happening with the uh, uh, with the people from Cape Town. Uh, well, one woman was from Cape Town, yeah. But um, the in American clubs, the women are almost more contemptuous of the guys who spend money on them. Yeah, and that's why this basic strategy of not being like that works. You know, if you're not the guy who is tripping over himself to buy them drinks, uh, then they like you more. Absolutely. Um, and how can I blame feminism on this? There's got to be some way. Uh, <laughs> here's how. It's because uh, uh, women are no longer expected. Women are now looser. They can give milk away for free. It's not considered a disgrace to be associating with men that you're not related to. Um, and so all kinds of men approach them. They become saturated with this idea. So it's no longer a big deal to them. The big deal is the guy who isn't tripping over himself uh, to win their favor. Um, so that unusual guy is the guy that gets their attention but it's a mistake because the guy who's not interested in them just might not be interested in them. And so they waste their energy pursuing the guy who likes them less than the computer nerd uh, who would who would have been willing to work 80 hours a week just to buy her a house with a white picket fence, who would have been completely devoted to her, who would never even consider cheating on her. And instead, the women today like the guy who has 20 different women floating around him. And isn't going to be loyal to any of them. And I think when the, the nerd uh, figures out the the algorithm, so to say, he's not going to actually more likely stick around with one because he has figured it out, you know? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. So with your so, unconventional thinking, uh, I, I see you seem to have a lot of it. How does that um, go with your circle of friends, for example, or other people in general around you? Uh, I don't really, um, it doesn't really affect the people around me because the people around, uh, around me, I think are either, they have traditional marriages, they're older in some cases, um, or, um, they got married a long time ago. Uh, so it doesn't ha it doesn't really affect my circle of friends, but my thinking actually is now more conventional. There are lots of men who say exactly what I am saying. Absolutely, but the thing so is, some, sorry to cut you off there, but the thing is, uh, most men think like that, but they don't talk like that. You know, most people don't, don't yes, even they don't talk, talk like that. Yeah, they've been shamed into silence, and that's because women have a monopoly on the word that I don't want to say. Uh, and so men know that if they say it, they'll be cut off, or they think they'll be cut off. 
Um, and uh, there are many uh, feminist shaming tactics that are used. So if you know these, then they don't have as much power. For example, it will be said that the man who says what I say is bitter or that he can't get women or that uh, he lives uh, in the basement of his mother's house, that kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. That's, the, the, that's quite cool. Uh, or he's yeah, ugly. <laughs> yeah. So they, they say the same things over and over again. What they don't realize is that they then are contradicting themselves because they're admitting that they value a man if he has lots of women, okay. which is what they tell us that you shouldn't be valued based on whether or not you can score with lots of women. But they're admitting to us that, in fact, that is how they evaluate men themselves. And there have been scientific studies where women are, are, are shown photographs of men and they're told, on the one hand, if the man has a relationship, on the other hand, he doesn't have a relationship. And the study concludes that the women prefer the men who are in relationships. Uh, you know, I like to give this example on that, like uh, there is this thing of studs or players. So my question is like, why do play these guys are players because they get more women, right? So yes. how does it happen that they get more women <laughs> if, they, if women know that they're players? It's just so crazy. It's obviously because women like women, uh, men that actually get more women. That's pretty Yes, obvious, they right? do. Yeah, they do. And in some cases, they'll say, no, I'm disgusted by, by that. Usually but they in say fact, that. <laughs> they're not. Yeah, they will say it simply to preserve because we still have the traditional thinking. 50 years of feminism hasn't destroyed the fact that women don't want to be sleeping with a hundred guys. Um, feminism has tried to make that normal with movies like Amy Schumer's uh, train wreck, but women still don't want to be like that. They don't want to be like Madonna. Um, uh, but they are increasingly becoming like, like that in America. Um, but the, uh, so they'll say they don't want such guys, but in reality they do want such guys. Right. So, and how does it go with you in relationships, for example? And also, if you decide, if you if you ever decide to have kids at one point, how are you going to go about it? Because you kind of you don't like the idea of marriage. Well, I don't want to talk about myself so much, but what I would say is that um, uh, if even if you do want to get married, which is a mistake, as we've pointed out. Uh, Unfortunately, in America, the best way to go about it is to be like the bad boy. And so you do want to learn all of these techniques that people have written about in many, many books now. And there are many, many websites on the Internet that where, where men can learn uh, how should they actually behave. Uh, and that prepares them to get the best women that, you know, the, the women that they want. Uh, so even if they do want to marry someone uh, they now need to be prepared otherwise they'll be the nice guy who gets dismissed rejected by the girl that they do want but um and i'm happy to help you know anyone who wants to contact me with advice not that i'm i i, I do think i have this expertise uh i'm not a casanova but i have lots of hard-won expertise that i'm happy to share with people who have specific questions. And there are women who I think would have good advice, like Janet uh, Bloomfield on the internet. Uh, I think she would have good advice for men um, who want to find good wives. Um, but uh, my advice for anyone in America is to go east, young man, 
and find a woman from a traditional society, maybe Malawi. Uh, and, uh, and if you're an internet entrepreneur, you could even try to set up a, yet another. See, there are many dating websites, but there aren't so many mail order bride websites. Okay, that's a good idea. And so, yeah, so, so someone could set something like that up for, for Malawi, traditional uh, wife. The danger I have is, or the danger I sense is, uh, the woman who was only interested in getting permanent residency in the United States or um, uh, in the case of Russia, someone who might be part of the, the mafia. Um, and so that's a very real danger, which is why I no longer advocate even mail order bride uh, services. But the reality is the women do exist. They're not uh, just pictures. Uh, and so you can't actually meet them. Um but you don't know what is really in their minds. That's the problem with dating someone in another country because you can't really figure them out from 11,000 kilometers away so, and get a sense of how genuine are they. Right. So there are a lot of guys who feel this way, uh, but they are in a relationship or they have aspirations of uh, getting married one day at one point. Uh, what advice would you give to them or what should they consider before they make any big moves? Uh, they should, uh, uh, if they're already in a relationship, then it's kind of bad because they may not want to replace the person. But uh, unfortunately for women today, the, the attitude of next, um, where next becomes a verb, uh, that actually is the, the greatest power men have. If you have this attitude that the woman isn't particularly important, uh, then somehow that makes you more, the women somehow like that more. They shouldn't, but they do. Um, and uh, that's the reason why, whether or not you like being a Casanova or consider it uh, sinful somehow, you are, you have an advantage when you are, when you have lots of women to choose from because then no one particular woman is so important. I wish it weren't the case. Um, but, um, I used to have the attitude that I only wanted to kiss one woman and that was my wife. And that, that was, that would be for the first time on our wedding day. But, uh, that kind of guy doesn't get any girls at all. <laughs> so sad, right? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. really, really so sad. Yes. Jeez. Um, so what, are uh, just now quick questions before we close. What are the two or three things that you think you need to be happy? Uh, me personally or human beings in general? You personally. Uh, me personally, mathematics. Uh, as I said before, I said before, I think I love math more than people. That actually wasn't true. I do love math more than people. Uh, so I would need to do math. Uh, but... Uh, I do like having material comforts. I, I don't know if I would enjoy doing math if I were starving or something. Uh, so as long as I have those those needs met. Um, and then I do understand that uh, female companionship and, and then some, that's also important. Um, but math is a lot easier than figuring out how to get that. <laughs> Yeah, so far so good, I guess. Mm -hmm. So uh, in your travel, uh, do you use Airbnb, hotels, or how do you choose places to, 
believe? Or have you ever tried couchsurfing before? I have not, no. Uh, I like staying at good places where you're not going to get bed bugs. But, um, you know, I mostly travel when I'm going on a conference. So when I went to Cape Town, they invited me for that conference uh, at the African Institute for Mathematical Sciences. And then I figured I'm going all this way. I'll just stay for three weeks. And um, so I was just in hotels. They actually got me a great apartment in Wisenberg, uh, which was it had, I think, three bedrooms. Uh, like there are eight large windows in it in one of the main rooms, um, you know, kitchen and all of that. So it was actually a, gi a gigantic uh, apartment. Um, but uh, I just prefer to stay in places like like that. But I can find uh, when I'm traveling on my own and not when I've been invited by someone, uh, I use uh, – there's a travel guide called Lonely Planet. Yeah, I love it. And Lonely they have – yeah, I love it now. They have a mix of, uh, say, places to stay, low end, in the middle, and high end. So you can choose. I usually don't take the low end places. But there are lots of good places you can find. Um, and then also what I do is I used to use the planet called, uh, sorry, I used to use a travel guide called let's go. Cause that was geared towards students when I was much younger, but because it was geared towards students, then they would have lower cost options for people, but things that, which were places that were still good or restaurants that were cheap, but still good. And so that's what I would, uh, that's what I would recommend to people who want to travel. Um, so one more thing, are you religious? Uh, I certainly admire uh, Jesus. Okay. I think the New Testament is great. The lessons from the New Testament are great. And I, uh, I have several books by an American preacher named Joel Osteen. I love his books. When I'm with my mother, we watch his TV program. You might say we watch it religiously. Uh, and, uh, so to that extent, I, I guess so. So being so analytical, how does that play out? Well, what I see is that the messages of the Bible are actually great messages. So the messages are great and it would be great if everybody lived like that, but even personally, for example, one of the problems I had with the new Testament for decades was this idea of forgiving people, even if they didn't repent. I, I, I always thought, no, no, no. I don't like the idea of forgive, forgiveness anyway, if someone did something really horrible. But at, the, at worst, you forgive them if they repent. Or at best, you forgive them if they, if they repent and ask for forgiveness, beg for forgiveness. But now I see that there is sense to this idea of forgiving because it, it tears you up. It burns you up inside. It makes your life worse to be, to be harboring this anger um, and so it actually makes sense. So you do, do you have any practices, really, really just practices that you do or perform? Uh, no, it's, I, I don't, I just read people like Joel Osteen. And as I said, I, I admire Jesus. Um, I can see why Christianity is the biggest religion. Um, and I, uh, I don't want to be, a relativist, but I can also see the value in 
some other religions like, you know, someone like Malcolm X, because he converted, uh, could become the person that he became. And that's happened to many other people who were even criminals. Uh, they converted uh, not just to Christianity, but then became great people. So I can see the power in uh, at least one other religion. But, um, you know, I, I, I really admire the tenets of, of Christianity. And uh, and I think Jesus was a great person. Great. Um, I, by the way, A.J. Jacobs, I don't know if you know about him. He's kind of like a guinea pig. No. Uh, he actually tried to leave by the rules of the bio, and he has okay. he has great stories to tell about that. Yeah, I, I will send you a link. Okay, uh, to you can listen to it, the podcast which he actually mentioned that. Um, okay, yeah. Anyway, but I'm not saying that I live like Jesus. I'm just saying that I admire. Oh, okay, great. I admire. Yeah. All right. So, uh, any books that you'd recommend for people to read about? the subjects we have covered on both podcasts. So uh, in terms of books, I, I there's no specific book that comes to, when it comes to relationships that I would say people need to read. Uh, but there are many books dealing with uh, pickup artist techniques. There's a website, Return of Kings, which has some objectionable material, like they, uh, they're they constantly attacking um it's, even parts of it are kind of racist, but <laughs> the stuff on the material on interacting with women uh, is pretty helpful to men who don't have a clue. Um, when it comes to mathematics, uh, if you're into math and you don't need uh, the recommendation of any any book, I guess. Uh, but if you, people are interested in aspects of the history of math, I can recommend a BBC documentary called Letters from an Indian Clerk. And there's another BBC documentary called uh, Fermat's Last Theorem, which is excellent. And both of these documentaries are about 50 minutes long. So if people are interested in understanding what mathematicians do, what moves us, I could recommend those films. Great, could you just uh, send the names via text or links somehow, just so that I can put them in the show notes as well? I'll do that. Great. Okay, thanks so much for your time, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. It has been so much fun. I don't get to, I don't get a chance to find people that think like that and kind of um, discuss these kind of ideas. Well, thank you for reaching out to me and uh, for the interview. Great. I enjoyed it. And right before you go, a reminder, this was the part one of my conversation with Dr. Farley. Everything that was mentioned in the show will be in the show notes, so make sure you check those out with his books, links, and everything like that. And there is on the podcast website a link uh, to get free audiobooks. So you can just use that link and get some of the books that you're interested to read or what Dr. Farley mentioned, and you can just listen to them for free. Just make sure you use the link that is provided on the podcast. 
there is part two where we covered the details of his formula about ISIS and on other areas that we didn't cover in this podcast, like the mathematics side of things. And I asked a few questions to some of you directly on what you think I should ask him. So I, I haven't covered those yet in this podcast we just listened to, but on the next one, it's all there. So just be on the lookout and subscribe if you haven't, so that as soon as it's out, I can have it sent directly to you, sir or ma'am, uh, or whoever you are. Um, so ha- have fun. I'm just blubbing here. It's like 1.30 a.m. in Cape Town. So I'm just having fun with this. Anyway, enjoy and have a kick-ass week or weekend, depending on when you're listening to this. Cheers.